Hello, my name is Sarah Sloan, and you're listening to The Sarah Sloan Show. How much more dramatically can I say that? I don't know. I'll keep on practicing, just for you. I'm joined here with my father, and we are going to discuss the news. Obviously, there's been a lot that's been going on with the $3.5 trillion, $1.5 trillion. Let's just throw around these numbers like they mean nothing. And, of course, Manchin, Senator Manchin, has been uh, the biggest issue in cinema as well. There uh, is a clip of Biden answering a question on why he couldn't close the deal with Manchin and Cinema because basically it kind of looks like the 3.5 isn't going to happen at this point, which is Mm. really good news. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'll play that clip. Thank you, Mr. President. You've often touted your experience in the Senate, your 36 years in the Senate. Your aides have uh, talked about your abilities to be a closer uh, on deals involving legislation. Why were you unable, Mr. President, to close the deal with members of your own party on key, par- key parts of your legislative agenda last week? Thank you. I've been able to close the deal on 99% of my party. <laughs> Two. Two people. That's still underway. I don't think there's been a president who's been able to close deals that's been in a position where he has only 50 votes in the Senate and a bare majority in the House. This is a process. This is a process. We'll get it. We'll get it done. Um, <laughs> yeah, so. Well, for one thing, his math's not so good. 99%. Actually, 2 out of 50 is 4%, so maybe 96%. Mm, yeah. That he was able to close a deal with. He said 99. That's true. Well. With his condition, that's probably still pretty accurate. Yeah, that was pretty good math for him, honestly. Mm -hmm. I also heard, um, this was interesting, it was uh, on The Blaze, they had on one of their, like, their hosts that they have, and he was, he knows a little bit about science, but he's not a doctor. He was saying that he thinks um, Joe Biden has dementia, and one of the signs of that is that you really want ice cream. (laughs) And I don't know how true that is, but he said that that's something that's been like found medically, that you mm. really are obsessed with ice cream and want ice cream if you have dementia. I must have dementia. <laughs> I, I didn't want to say it <laughs> directly, but yes, you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I thought that was fascinating um, if it's true, you know, and if it's mm. not, okay. Big whoop. I got wrong on something. Of all the symptoms, that was the one that you keyed in on. <laughs> Ice cream. <laughs> Which he does. You know, he really, uh, it, he's been obsessed with all, all ice cream, and they always ask him about that. It's really weird. Uh, but let's see. For the, yeah, basically, Manchin is a Democrat, Democrat that goes completely against his party, and he said that the Democrats should use the reconciliation process to raise a debt limit as Republicans double down on their commitment to vote against any increase to government spending. Yeah. Mm. And then Mitch McConnell, he was saying as well, well, they're kind of worried because uh, Janet Yellen, what was she saying? She was saying something about um, this is going to put the government into default. Mm. 
Yeah, she was saying something about that. She said, it's going to put the government into default and it'll be really, really bad for the country. Of course, at any point, she's always trying to. I thought they raised it all through December or into December. Yeah, she said, if it's not raised, the country will face its first default in history due to expanding government expenditure, which the Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has warned could be catastrophic. Of course, her spending, their spending is not catastrophic. No, that's no issue at all. I think I've, I forget who said it, maybe it was her, that the Republicans resisting raising these limits, that was reckless. I thought, yeah, that's reckless, but <laughs> the spending itself is definitely not reckless, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, it, it's odd because if we talked about our personal pocketbooks this way, if you don't let me go further into debt, I will default, and that could be catastrophic. So please, let me go further into debt. Raise my debt limit. You would say, no, you're crazy. You do not need to go into debt anymore. You're already in debt enough. What if you had a gambling habit and the <laughs> casino allowed you a certain amount of credit to uh, gamble on money that you didn't own? And they'd say, we'll let you go this far. And you just insisted that they give you more. I need more. <laughs> <laughs> or I won't be able to gamble and roll the die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's listen to McConnell um, as he mocks the Democrats. The majority doesn't need our votes. They just want a partisan, they just want a bipartisan shortcut around procedural hurdles they can actually clear on their own. And they want that shortcut so they can pivot right back to partisan spending as fast as possible. They want a bipartisan shortcut to get right back to more partisan hardball. And Republicans have spent two and a half months, this is no surprise, two and a half months ago, explaining that this is the way they needed to go forward on the death ceiling. This unified Democratic government is having trouble governing. They couldn't even pass the bipartisan infrastructure bill, which the president negotiated, and the Speaker of the House promised would pass last week. The majority needs to stop sleepwalking toward yet another preventable crisis. Democrats need to tackle the debt limit. We gave them a roadmap and three months Notice, I suggest that our colleagues get moving. Mm -hmm. Now on an obviously related matter, speaking of Democrats' reckless taxing and spending, this unified government is behind closed doors, brainstorming ways to make inflation even more painful for American families. Their next reckless taxing and spending spree is packed with radical left-wing policies and the biggest tax hike on the American people in half a century. So far, the bill is more than 2,400 pages long, but it can be summarized in just four words. Hurts families and helps China. Hurts families and helps China. Wasting trillions and trillions of dollars on socialism would be a bad idea any day. 
but it's a uniquely bad idea at a time when American families are already being hammered by inflation and soaring costs. The government's own data continue to indicate that the historic and painful inflation that began to take hold of our economy this spring isn't going anywhere anytime soon. The chairman of the Federal Reserve acknowledged last week that rising prices have become an increasingly broad and structural problem. Last week, the Commerce Department reported that inflation has continued to rise faster than at any time since 1991. The Democrats' inflation is so bad that even though the average American worker has gotten a multiple percentage point pay raise over the last year, their actual purchasing power has actually been cut. Their paychecks have gone up, but their buying power has gone down. Wholesale inflation just marked the steepest 12-month jump on record. Even dollar stores are having to raise their prices. Just ask any American family about the last few trips to the supermarket, the gas station, or the toy store. Heaven forbid if they've had to participate in the housing market or the auto market anytime lately. And the Democrats are uniting around yet another multi-trillion dollar taxing and spending spree. I guess our colleagues think they can inflate their way out of inflation. That is going to be an extraordinarily painful experiment for the middle-class families of our country. Yeah, he, mm-hmm. he brings up a lot of good points. He really does. Um, I sure hope some people are listening, although I'm sure the media didn't cover it. Mm-mm. Yeah, and, you know, he he speaks out of both sides of his mouth as well. I don't really like him that much either, mm-hmm. but... Yeah, in this area, he he's spot on, and mm-hmm. it is it's extremely embarrassing for the Democrats that if all their if all their party voted, they could get this, and they can't get all their party to vote on it because mm-hmm. it's that stupid. That's embarrassing. Yeah, they they have some division in their party, and uh, we just need to pray that they don't ever unite. Oh yeah, because it's it would not be for good. It's, um, you know, I, it, it's kind of funny the way they they celebrate when they've spent huge amounts of money. Yeah. And I think if most well-meaning Americans would be cringing. Yeah. And, you know, it just, it's sort of like, I know we don't have um, a bright future, but it's just got a little bit darker, you know, when those trillions go out the door. And... The sad part is we get nothing from it. You know, uh, so much of this COVID relief, you know, it it was even unnecessary if we would have allowed hiring and, you know, cut off the unemployment earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, if things would have gotten back on track. All we did was unnecessarily delay it. Uh, so we weren't really helping anybody, and yet we made a permanent uh, addition to our indebtedness. Yeah, and it, it's just like, why Why would you continue to do this when you know that it's going to hurt us? Mm-hmm. Oh, because you don't really have our best interests at heart. Okay, interesting. It, it's agenda. It's not, uh, there's no goodwill or good desires. I, I don't know, they could probably say yes, but 
under Marxism, we will be better off, but um, there's just no evidence of that historically. Mm-mm. No way. And I think you mentioned this to me, but the New York Times is saying that new COVID cases in the U.S. have fallen by more than a third in the past month. So that's interesting that they're saying that. Um, okay, so this this is what they're saying. The reasons remain somewhat unclear, and there is no guarantee that the decline in caseloads will continue. But the turnaround is now large enough and been going on long enough to deserve attention. And they show even a graph, and it, it's, it's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. They were really going down in June and July, by the way. So they said worldwide cases have also dropped more than 30% since late August. Uh, this is as good as the world has looked in many months, said a doctor. These declines are consistent with the pattern that regular readers of this newsletter will recognize. COVID's mysterious two-month cycle. Since the COVID virus began spreading in the late 2019, case, uh, cases have often surged for about two months, some, sometimes because of a variant like Delta, and then declined for about two months. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the seasonality and the ebbs and flow of social distancing. Um, and then, of course, we have to realize the heat and then the cold, how that affects it as well. Mm. Um, but, yeah, let's see. They also mention hospitalizations. The two-month cycle keeps happening. It's visible in the global numbers. As uh, Yep, 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 okay. Yeah, I'm wondering what they're going to say about yeah, one that they always mention is Israel. Israel, they had so many vaccinations. Mm. And then you're seeing mm. that COVID is still around. And we, we all know this. We all know that the vaccinations aren't really doing it. Who was it? The basketball player? I think LeBron James was saying, mm. uh, why are we calling it a vaccination when people keep on getting COVID? And then we're supposed to get more of them. Vaccination, you're only supposed to get once. Mm. Really? Mm. So... <laughs> You know, it's interesting, uh, even with declining numbers, deaths and hospitalizations, everything, it's sort of like, this is our last chance to use our power. Yeah. So we're going to eliminate these workers to the very end. You know, there's no tolerance there, uh, unpaid leave. And, you know, we're, we're going to require, let's get into the students so we can get them vaccinated too. Mm-hmm younger and younger so you know this is part of their agenda and they don't want to miss out on it the declining numbers just means we better hurry yep that's really what it means and that's what they're doing they're hurrying yeah because it's this is also what they said the share of americans 12 and over who have received at least one vaccine shot has reached 76 percent and with more of the the vaccine mandates they're even trying to get an authorization of a Pfizer vaccine for children of uh, ages 5 to 11 mm-hmm. crazy they're so obsessed with this pump everyone and everything and yeah the they did actually mention natural immunity in this okay so it will increase the number of vaccinations this fall almost as important something like one half of americans have probably had the covid virus already giving them some natural immunity That's very fascinating because nobody wants to mention natural immunity at all. Eventually, immunity will become widespread enough that another wave as large and demanding, or sorry, damaging as a Delta wave will not be possible, barring something unexpected. 
I'm of the opinion that this is the last major wave of infection, is what a doctor, uh, Scott Gottlieb, a former FDA commissioner, uh, said. Mm. So, yeah, COVID has not been has not only been one of the worst pandemics in modern times, it has been an unnecessarily terrible pandemic of more than 700,000 Americans who have died from it. Nearly 200,000 probably could have been saved if they have chosen to take a vaccine. Keyword, probably. Yep. And also, they keep on mentioning millions of Americans. 700,000. Dead. Yeah. And we also don't know. We've been hearing that a lot of deaths that are claimed to be COVID Mm. are really not. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot that's very interesting about all this. You know, that that point about the antibodies is really something that they really don't want to give much weight to. Like if there's a mandate, it doesn't mean a thing. Mm. You could have had it yesterday. It doesn't mean a thing. Mm-hmm. You get vaccinated or you're on, on unpaid leave. Yeah. You're out. Yeah. And, you know, it's going to be the same way with students. Nobody's going to care if you've had it, when you had it, antibodies. Nobody cares. However, they have to admit, oh, yeah, that's more effective than the vaccine. (laughs) But it doesn't count. But it is more effective. It's so stupid. But it doesn't count. Yeah, we got got to stick with what counts. Um, Yeah, and then let's see. We could probably end with this story, the... Uh, basically, Katie Couric, the journalist, if you want to listen to some of her being nasty, go to some former episodes of this podcast where we really focus on the Katie Couric interview with governor, uh, former governor of Alaska, of Alaska, Sarah Palin. Mm-hmm. She interviewed her and kind of basically decimated her. Right. <laughs> so if you want to hear Katie Couric, you'll be able to do that. But she wrote a memoir. Probably going to make a ton of money. And it, it's pretty scandalous, I would say, because she just talks about so many people in a really derogatory way. Mostly so, women. Yes, yes, mostly women. Who she champions, by the way. Yes, of course, of course. So let's listen to this clip. We do begin with an explosive exclusive, a look at Katie Couric's cutthroat new memoir, Going There. And boy, does she ever. The veteran TV journalist blasting her former female colleagues, including that of Martha Stewart and Ashley Banfield, while admitting her sympathy for disgraced Today Show co-anchor Matt Lauer. It is all right here. I learned from the Daily Mail on a heck of a scoop they got that one-time colleague of mine, Katie Couric, has written a memoir. For 40 years, the world has trusted Katie Couric to deliver the truth on television. And welcome to today on this Wednesday morning, everyone. I'm Katie Couric. But in spite of her sunny morning news attitude, behind the scenes, Couric's truth was she was freezing out fellow female journalists. Daily Mail TV scoring an advanced look at Couric's new memoir, Going There and In It. She torches her Today Show predecessor, Deborah Norville. As we've been reporting, Soviet leaders in Iraq's Tariq Aziz are still fine-tuning that proposal for peace. Couric writes that Norval had a major relatability problem because her relentless perfection turned off morning show viewers. But Norval isn't the only woman bearing Couric's wrath. What kind of man do you think you're looking for if you had to... Oh, someone like your fiancé. Really? Well, stay away from him, Martha. (laughs) Though the pair laughs in this 2014 throwback, Katie jabs Martha Stewart in going there, writing, it took some healthy humbling, prison will do that, for her to develop a sense of humor. 
But one person does earn Katie's sympathy, her former Today Show co-anchor, Matt Lauer. After he was fired from NBC for sexual misconduct, Katie admits she texted him, quote, I love you and care about you deeply. I looked up to her for years and years and years. I still do. News Nation anchor Ashley Banfield was Katie's NBC colleague in the early 2000s. And as Katie saw it, her competition. She writes, for a minute there, Ashley Banfield was the next big thing. I'd heard her father was telling anyone who'd listen that she was going to replace me. Now, Banfield is setting the record straight. Her father, John, was in a care home, nearly senile, when he said he wished his daughter had a desk job like Katie instead of reporting from Afghanistan. That is a far cry from being able to even leave that facility, let alone telling anyone who would listen. So that hurt my feelings deeply, and I hope Ms. Couric corrects the record on that. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> well, at least she had some sympathy for Matt Lauer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the way that you're seeing them in the video together, because, uh, you know, they sat side by side for many years. She, It looks like she's in love with him or something. Mm -hmm. She probably did have a crush on him. Who knows? She said, I love you. I love you and I care about you deeply, but all you nasty women. <laughs> yeah, all insane. those victims of his, terrible women. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who told the truth. Oh, so awful. Supposedly he had a office, uh, in his office under his desk, a button that would lock the door. <laughs> but Locking them inside with but him. But dad, dad, I love him. And I care about him deeply, okay? <laughs> right. So let's not let's not talk about him. Oh, but you know, the one let's talk about this lady's father who, you know, was you know, kind of messed up in the brain and very old. Right. And saying, I hope that my daughter gets a job like Katie Couric. Let's <laughs> let's make her sound bad. Well at least they're dispelling the myth that she only hated conservative women. She hated them all. Oh yeah. Yeah, she she is not biased. <laughs> uh Prince Harry, she was saying that she had an interview with him when he was 27. Yeah, I think 27 years old and he smelt of alcohol and smoke and <laughs> it just seeped through his pores. <laughs> All this stuff is what she said. <laughs> yeah. So she is she's not the sweetest lady. Um, I remember she was on a, yeah, she was going on James Corden's late night show. It's one of the comedy late night shows that are awful right now. And she does this like, um, as she's walking down the steps, I think it was her. It was either her or a stunt double. No, I think it was her, but she pretends to fall. Mm. And it's like a really kind of drastic fall. And he like freaks out because he thinks that she actually fell, but it was an April fool's joke. I'm pretty sure. And so then he's like, oh, Michael, are you okay? And then she's like, uh, she got him, basically. Yeah. yeah. She, you know, if she's going to lie in that area, she'll lie about anything. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Lies about really falling. Oh, yeah. That's sick. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, that, that makes, uh, it, it's a different topic, but I did want to mention it. Uh, the NASCAR, there was a NASCAR driver who won. His name is Brandon. I don't know his last name. I don't care about NASCAR. I'm honestly so shocked that that hasn't been attacked by the environmentalist. I don't understand how that hasn't yet, mm. but whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and the guy won. And then in the stands, everybody was yelling the F word, F word, Joe Biden, F word, Joe Biden, mm. just over and over and over mm. again. And the reporter was interviewing Brandon and she was saying, oh, well, we can hear the, uh, the crowd saying, let's go, Brandon, let's go, Brandon. And she just says that. And it's so obvious. We can all hear that yeah. they're saying F word Joe Biden, uh, which people have been doing all over the country at different sporting events. Um, and 
yeah, obviously it's so stupid. It's so crazy that she would just lie like that. And then Michael Knowles, I was listening to his show and he, he brought up just such a good point. Like, and it's such a basic point that I, I should have gotten to on my own, but it was just like, if she, if, if the media can lie about something that we can hear for ourselves right there in that moment, mm. it's being bleeped out on TV. Obviously, it's not let's go, Brandon. That wouldn't be bleeped out. But if they're willing to lie about something like that, what else will they lie about? Mm. Anything and everything. Which they do. Oh. As we could see, this lady, mm. she always tries to act like she's, she's a champion of women. Mm. Yet one of her f- most famous interviews, uh, Katie Couric is who I'm talking about, her most famous interviews is with Sarah Palin and taking down a woman. Mm. Mm. It, she is not for women. She's a liar. Mm-hmm. And so is so much of our media. The only woman she is for is herself. Yep. Yep. And that word self-serving fits her like a T. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Katie Couric. She's interesting. All right. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought the, yeah, now the let's go Brandon, that's becoming such a meme. (laughs) (laughs) And and it it was just, it was funny. It was so funny how they, it was like, Hey, we're not stupid. You know, we can actually like hear. Yeah. Like, I guess I look stupid. Uh, you know, but I'm really not. <laughs> so, like, the sky is green. Yeah, yeah. And we're all looking at it. It doesn't look the, like it's green. Yeah, the uh, conservative videos that would try to kind of, like, scare us. I remember one of them was, like, in a classroom. The teacher is, like, talking, and she's, like, two plus two equals five. And the kid's, like, no, it's four. And then she's, like, it's five. And then it, eventually the kid's, like, it. Two plus two is five, and the kid starts saying it himself. Oh. And it was one of those things where I would just kind of laugh at it. It was just like, oh, okay, dramatic much. But it really is getting to that point. Mm. We mm. hear F word Joe Biden, and then mm. they say, it's actually let's go Brandon, okay, stupid? <laughs> you, do you hear that? It's let's go Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> Usually that kind of treatment is done uh, in a communist interrogation room. Yeah, and it's creepy. And I think we're kind of getting there. We really are. We really are if we don't stop this. Um, but thank goodness for God. <laughs> if I die, where do I go? To heaven, baby. To party like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> to live is Christ, to die is gain. It, it is so true. That is the mm. only thing. That is the only thing I can hold to, uh, uh, you know, hold on to at this moment. Mm-hmm. It, it's, I don't know how people do it without God is all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. I don't know how. Well, I'll say more. Sorry. Uh, I'll say the verse. Colossians 1 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things were created through him and for him mm-hmm. he is omniscient he mm-hmm. a lot of times we think that our creator is similar to us somehow and uh, a good analogy i heard was you could build a table you're not a table because you built the table <laughs> <laughs> right. you created the table god is nothing like us and i think any image that we have in our mind is totally wrong Mm. we have no idea we really don't but he he is over so many things and even yeah you know they mention like there's angels fighting above us Mm. and we can't even really see it but it's a spirit world and god is just he's so so powerful and 
really, it's your choice. You can either accept him and invite him into your life and trust in him, or you could just live without him. Mm. And I, I really don't recommend you do that. The Bible says that we human beings are created in God's image. So, you know, that tells me we have a spirit. God is spirit. We are different than any other of the animals, uh, the animals of God's creation. But it says in this verse that you just read that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So if we want to know what God is like, you have to look at an image, and that image is Jesus Christ. Mm. That's that's a good point. Yeah. Mm. So we do get the the idea. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll end it there. I hope you guys enjoyed the show, and yeah, listen to those uh, episodes of Katie Couric and Sarah Palin if you haven't yet. Uh, I thank you guys for listening, and hope you have a wonderful day. <laughs>